This is the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition with Peter Gowers. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. Weekends with Walshy starts now. Hello, welcome wherever you're listening. Welcome to you and thank you for listening to the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition or Weekends with Walshy. My name is Peter Gowers. That bloke just told you that, so I don't know why I'm telling you again, but hey, why not? Let's get the uh, editor now from the NT Independent Online Newspaper on to discuss all that's happening in the world of news in the Northern Territory. It's the editor, Mr. Chris Walsh. Walshy, how are you, mate? Hey, I'm good, Pete. You know, I was just thinking when you said that, how is it that I don't have some sort of introduction thing you after all do. these years? You actually do. Yeah? I, uh, I, I went I to I like my... trumpets and a drum. <laughs> I don't think we gave you any Timmy Trumpet, but <laughs> I went to my good friend who... Uh, the voice, the let's voice call him. Yeah, <laughs> the voice, the man, the voice, the myth, the mystery. And I said, I need something different for the weekend edition. And so now he says, uh, this is the Territory Story podcast. Thanks to blah, 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 whoever, whatever, whatever. I think, I think he then says, with Peter Gowers. And then he pauses, he says, weekends with Walshy starts now <laughs> yeah no i've heard that i've heard yeah. that i like that, that but there's still yeah okay you okay, want something yeah. more you want your full name no it's all right i'll i'll, I'll live with that i'll take I that i think um i think heather lockley was still special guest star <laughs> for at least five or six years <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've only got Maybe three once now. you get to that point we'll we'll then talk to the voice about <laughs> uh, about giving you your own little intro bit yeah fair enough man fair enough yeah we're pretty strict with our uh, interests. No, I know. Hey, you can't just throw them around here. It took a lot. It took like months to get years to get the guy to do the job, the job of the week thing. So that's right. Yeah, you're not just that's throwing right. those around. No, that's exactly right. The job of the week being the most precious segment of the whole entire podcast. Delicate process, man. Delicate yeah, genius. Yeah, boys. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> well, let's get into it because there is plenty to talk about, Chris. Yes. Yeah. Look, the, the the gift that just keeps on giving, or the uh, the virus that won't go away, as far as the government's concerned. Um, so, a, a great story that you wrote about this week: the government's awarded a thirty thousand dollar contract to assess damage and related works at the Howard Springs Workers Camp, uh, while our uh, what would we call a fair leader. At fearless point, leader. <laughs> fearless leader was still claiming there was no damage there. So what were they assessing? Yeah, well, look, according to the tender damage, they were assessing, uh, what was it, the condition? It was a condition assessment inspection and related works at the flood evacuation accommodation at Howard Springs. Now, that's funny to me, too, is that they didn't call it by that Orwellian term. I agree. Even I agree. in their it's own internal evacuation tender. center. Yeah. <laughs> which is better but um mm. yeah i think maybe maybe what they were trying to, as next yeah they were trying to hide that uh but yeah look no the timing of that was interesting because you know we we, we listened to the chief minister for weeks go on about and, and deny damage i mean like i was telling you Pete, like she turned what was almost a nothing story into maybe one of the biggest scandals in her 12 months in office now yeah it's like yeah i mean for no good reason i mean she didn't have to she had to accept responsibility that and well and just tell the public 
here's what's going on. We do know about some damage there. We're, we're, you know, we're going to look into it. We'll hold the people accountable who damaged it. It's not everybody. Uh, she was unable to do that for reasons we still do not understand because you had uh, the deputy chief minister. I think we talked about that last week. I think it was yep. last Thursday. She came out and said, uh, and this is Nicole Madison, who's, you know, widely regarded as being one of the worst ministers ever to set foot in cabinet in the Northern Territory Parliament at all, in any cabinet. And, uh, uh, you know, everything. And I'm just basing that on everything that she's touched. She's she's stuffed up Turned one way or another. Yeah. Um, but she even came out and kind of seemed more like a leader and saying, well, look, yeah, we, we know that there's damage. When we, we'll get in there. We'll do an assessment. We'll, we'll know everything. But people have been held accountable. People will be held accountable. Anyway, uh, look, Kate Warden also had come out the family's minister and said that she was aware of damage yet. We still had Natasha Files up till last week uh, denying that uh, that any of this damage had occurred. And for reasons unknown, we talked about that with uh, that ABC interview last week where she was played audio yeah. from a person who was residing there saying, Joe Laverty at ABC got this person. And this, this man said, look, yeah, they're smashing stuff. And then the people are showing up intoxicated and fighting and there's all kinds of violent stuff going on. And yeah. she still denied that. She still went confronted with evidence. It was pretty uh, rude in a way, wasn't it? Saying, well, that, I, I'm not taking that guy's word for it. Yeah, I'm listening to my advisors. And, and Joe had been wandering around the mall out there aimlessly just trying to find someone. Right. For like three up. days, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Will anyone tell us about the damage out there? I think, like, yeah, she was probably stopped for a kebab out at the Origin Kebab there because that's the best place in town. I'd, I'd head out there for that. It was an old fashioned streeter. That's old fashioned good yeah. journalism. We used to call it streeters. And, uh, yeah, you know, go and ask the man in the street what his opinion is. But anyway, she found somebody who was there yeah. and then and, and took it to the chief minister. And the chief minister chose not to hear it, instead, saying that uh, she was relying on her advice, her advisors. And they hadn't mm. told her anything, but apparently the advisors to Madison and, uh, and Warden were telling them what was actually happening. And the CLP's advisors. Yeah, and the CLP. Well, look, yeah, they, they heard it from people uh, involved, I think, as well. And, um, you know, we had heard it. We were reported on it weeks ago. Uh, and it just got so ridiculous. And yeah, I think it just got to that point where people are saying, like, look, either she's incompetent or she's lying because everybody knew that it was happening, but yes, she continued to come out and say, no, it's not happening. Uh, and I still cannot explain that. And then the, 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 the logical thing is, well, if you got bad advice and your advisors can't tell you what's actually happening, then get rid of them or get rid of yourself Correct. because yep. you're not doing your job then. Uh, so anyway, so then surprise, surprise on the Monday, she comes out. Now, this is before we know about this contract. And meanwhile, while she's denying it, this contract, this tender's gone out. It's select tender. Uh, there was $30,000, as we were saying. That's just to assess damage. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's just to get them in the door. That's uh, a few man hours of assessing, I reckon. Yeah, I think, I think look, yeah, Woody, Woody had this story in that, saying that too, that, like, you know, how, who's to say that without the variations after to kind of keep it quiet and that's what we were discussing saying like well that's would be how you keep it quiet so you kind of phrase it in the way that they phrase this uh and then just continue to do variations and let this company re do the repair work out there but like i told you pete it's going to be millions of dollars from what we've been told from our sources so 
uh, it's going to be very significant. Anyway, you know, they had done that uh, back on, uh, well, earlier this month while she was denying it. And maybe she didn't know again that these tenders were coming out. I don't know. Uh, it's just bad leadership all around. Now, Monday morning, she works up the courage to finally say, okay, I know that, uh, that this has happened now. There's been damage. So she goes on mix and she says that and she says, uh, but it's related to one DV incident uh, that involved 12 broken windows. Wow. And, you know, somewhere between the time that she left Mix 104.9 and she did a press conference later that morning and then it, the story started to change and expand and there were now more instances that she had found out about. Finally, somebody had, had opened her eyes and she was willing to admit what Territorians knew for weeks was that there was damage, what everybody did except her. And so either she's not listening or she just is, is incompetent, is completely incompetent. Like it's just, it's just baffles me how a political leader could could let this get that bad. Yeah, we now know that. Uh, yeah, the, the, this contract's gone out while she was saying that it's only wear and tear. Remember that was it. But despite being told and shown evidence, she just continued. And I think, look, we we really it gets into the psyche of who this leader is, who Natasha Files is, if she said stubborn and pig-headed that she's not going to listen to reason and not yeah. listen to facts well we've got a real serious problem and this point's an even bigger problem than just lying about this one thing and you know we've seen that with the petrochemical stuff too right like this is a chief minister who who got her public servant or had public servant to uh to go in or get their his staff to go in and alter government records to to remove the word petrochemical like who does that stuff? Like just admit what it is. It's already in the files in the in the hard copy that's been uh, sent to the the EPA, the Environment Protection Authority, like and to mm -hmm. investors and people that they're trying to attract there by saying, yeah, we're going to have petrochemical hub here. I don't I don't get you know her reasoning for that. It, it, it's not um, it's not logical, but it's not politically savvy either to uh to just be that pig-headed and then go and change the facts if they don't suit your argument and keep deny 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 i it, it's unbelievable and it, you know somebody probably cdu should uh be doing courses on this this is a strange yeah. animal that we have here who who's that stubborn and despite being given facts and seeing facts refuses to change and that should alarm everybody I think there's no doubt that she's not political. Um, you only had to hear that interview on ABC to realise that there's really not a political bone in her body. Um, she's probably been well um, drilled as to what to say in public and what not to say. The problem is that, as you said, uh, it was the worst kept secret in town. Um <laughs> You know, I, I had people in Alice Springs telling me that there was damage there, and yet she lives in the same town where this place was, and she continued to deny it. As you said, there's no plausible explanation as to why she would deny it because she didn't do the damage, so we don't blame her. And yep. coming out with this cock and bull crap about, oh, well, they've been through, you know, significant upheaval, so they're going to smash things up. <laughs> no, they're not. No, they're not. Yeah. When, when when we had the cyclone in 2018 and we were all without power for five days, well, I was in Stewart Park, I didn't go around smashing things up. 
yes, my life was in upheaval for a few days. And yes, we stayed at hotels at that time. We didn't smash up the rooms because we'd had that upheaval in our lives. People don't do that. And right. I'm thinking about well, these rooms out of Howard Springs, right, as well. They're, they're essentially workers' um, accommodation. So I'm presuming they're not that big. So if someone smashed 12 windows, it's not even just their accommodation. It's <laughs> the whole row. Uh, it's just yeah. chaos. No, it is. And and now, and, and Pete, getting back to your point there, I think what, what you said there is right on the, um, you know, and I, and I think you saw the story this week too, was that she attempted at one point, it seemed like, say that, uh, that this violent crime, this this surge in violent crime, is somehow COVID related. Yes. Remember, she said like yes, worldwide, yes. people's people's behaviors have significantly changed because of COVID. Yeah. Well, yeah. Since COVID, and I like I've and I've listened to that part, and I don't know. And like I've said before, I don't want to. You know, we can only quote her on what she says, right? But I I think that she was maybe. I mean, the only the only reasonable. Her logical explanation there is that she was using COVID as just a time um, indicator, a totem kind of, you know, since this time, because to, to mm -hmm. suggest that it's somehow related to that was just completely ridiculous. And and to say, yeah, that, uh, well, and, and the world's dealing with increased crime post-COVID, and so that's what's going on here. And it's like, oh, my God, this is no. like, it, this is so complicated, the problems, which we know. And have been building for years here, and we've seen a government yeah. now not take action on a lot of things. We see the the stronger futures legislation lapsing last year, where they said it was a racist policy, yeah. and just hands off. And then all the problems happened. A lot of problems happened after that, uh, and they still don't take responsibility for anything. And they just want to push their ideals here. Um, and and you know that was it. It was almost like she thought she was the savior of these uh, flood victims who were in there and of course nobody was suggesting that all of them were smashing it up of course they, yeah. they wouldn't do that but there was a contingent that was doing it but she seemed to think that she needed to protect the aboriginals there and say well no no and you look you know and then she went into their backstory about well oh, these are displaced people and yeah. you know and joe laverty called her and said look i didn't ask you for their backstory we want to know if there's damage how much damage and who's going to be held yeah. responsible uh, it's just kind of flawed thinking here it's like a mix of very dangerous political ideology uh, ideology is the problem and, yeah. and it, this is now happening globally right yeah. this is but, but mixed with mixed with like you know like because they don't even believe it to the extent that they would do something you know it, 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 all of the labor ideology gets thrown out the window when it comes to their personal yeah. situation if they can yeah. protect themselves then they don't care about that but if they can make a big show about it well then they're going to do that and you, mm -hmm. you look at that look victoria you got down there in Victoria, they're talking about raising the age of criminal responsibility, right? And they're right. they're going at it so cautiously, and they're talking about doing it now. We just went ahead and did it because Chancey Bacon and Natasha Files told everybody, well, this is going to look like we're progressive, we're good labor people, and that's what we're going to yeah. do in a jurisdiction where we got 10-year-olds, you know, committing Correct. horrendous crimes in the community, Correct. and they're doing this because it fulfilled their ideology in that particular instance, but practically they should not have done that here. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, yeah. It was progressive to a point though, Chris, because the crime really has progressed since they did that. <laughs> it's so frustrating trying to, you know, and, and uh, Woody and I talking about it during the week and he gets especially perplexed over files is just seeming 
continuance or want to lie. Like she seems to want to lie. And he's like, I just don't understand. Just tell the truth here, show some integrity. And we got into that issue of asking questions about whether or not a politician's integrity, credibility is irrevocably um, uh, changed and, and lost when they're seen by the public to just as easily lie as tell them the truth. And that's where yeah. I think Files has, has really hurt her own reputation. Again, and I stress this needlessly on this, she could have just told the truth. Uh, yeah, I, I just politics in the antique, but I don't know. It just gets crazier and crazier. I wondered with that COVID stuff. And the problem is that sometimes I think with the chief minister, like she, she, like her predecessor, she has a really difficult time with the English language and articulating <laughs> herself in a way where you go, Oh, okay, I see where she's going with that. Yeah, but I just wondered with. With her saying, well, people have changed since COVID. See, if you're talking about Darwin and, you know, the greater Darwin area, to say that anybody has got residual stress or as a result of COVID is a little bit disingenuous, particularly when you look at other states. And you mentioned Victoria as a classic example. If you look at what the people in Melbourne went through, and, and there's no doubt there are people there who are still suffering from some sort of post-traumatic stress, you can't really say the same of, of you know, the Northern Territory, except the communities were locked. And so maybe that's their version of this. Yeah. But if she's drawing the link to say, well, these people who have suffered from these flood situations are the same people who were locked in their communities and now they're in, you know, a place that's not familiar with them and they're smashing the place up. You, you've yeah. got to draw that bow and show some evidence. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think she needed to clarify that. And unfortunately, yeah, Katie didn't ask the best questions, the follow-up questions on that. It kind of got derailed then. But she should have focused on exactly what she meant by that because, of course, the chief minister wasn't saying that crime's okay. But it did seem like she was saying that this is the reason that it's happening. But even that is kind of, yeah, anyway, the, it, it needed to be explained further because yeah. how can you do that when the NT didn't really experience COVID the way others no. did? No. And, um, you know, until we all got it when they finally opened the board and everybody and that was, just, okay, everybody's getting it now and we all got it. Uh, yeah. Then, yeah, I, I just, yeah, it's really, it's really. Like you say, the, it needed to be explained. It needed to, and and yeah, to draw that conclusion was absurd. It really was absurd. And so, yeah. I, and we don't know what she meant exactly by that, but for somehow tying it into COVID now, these problems yeah. have been coming for a long time since before COVID. And this is a government who just has not taken action on a myriad of, of issues that have all come together to create this perfect storm of, uh, you know, you got the different agencies, you got territory families not doing things clearly, properly, uh, police, you've got all kinds of just, it was just mm. thing. It's just come together here because they've not taken decisive action and they never had a cohesive plan to govern. And that's what yes. I've, I've always go back to. They've never had a cohesive plan. The other absurdity for me was the fact that she doubled down and tripled down, as we know about the fact that there was no damage, was all wear and tear because windows were spontaneously combusting. <laughs> um, the thing that I just, as you said, this is constant sort of, need or feeling to lie rather than just telling the full truth well the reality of the matter was that she actually never admitted as such yes there are some people who have committed 
damage, um, you know, willful damage, whatever it's called. Um, she said, oh, there was some domestic violence. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's You still weren't even really admitting it because, yeah. you know. It's still trying to qualify that it was just a, a yeah. byproduct of a bigger problem or something that, oh, and then some yeah. things got damaged. But it was really just about a man beating his wife as if that's okay too. I don't know. Like that's the Windows absurd. broke because of it. Like Yeah, and that's what she's focused on. Sense. But like, you know, and we heard that there were so many problems out there. The police had to set up a police station there to deal with these issues, Correct. like a mobile yeah. police station. Like, a, you yeah. know, you got to own up to this stuff and uh, you, you seem to be keeping it a secret. Well, that's that's not a good look for a politician, uh, especially Correct. the leader here. So uh, anyway, look, yeah, so we're getting the damage assist, long story short. <laughs> and uh, and uh, maybe we'll get some repairs out there. I think she did say something in that press conference that uh, those it's so funny they had a, a reporter from the abc and darwin who, who must have just shown up and didn't know and just wrote that story just straight like oh yeah natasha Foss says anyone who's caught causing damage out at howard springs will be fined and the government is a victim of crime and this whole thing and that was a bit rich too uh that was uh, taking the mickey that was (laughs) yeah but this kid like i really like it was his first day or something he didn't know he's just writing it straight i don't know any background about the fact she's been lying about it for six goddamn weeks yeah yeah he's finally admitted it and uh even then by the way we're a victim of crime (laughs) yeah Yeah. she's the victim in this whole thing like it's just (laughs) unbelievable uh so you know well hopefully she's as good as her word and those people who who did damage that facility are are held accountable for it but i'm telling you it's millions of dollars of damage yeah i was gonna say so are they accountable for their damage or just some measly fine if they're accountable for their damage, what they're gonna get their pay docked for the next 520 years to pay it back (laughs) yeah it's yeah, Pete, look, there, there, there's some bigger issues at play there. And um, this government is just completely out of its depth in handling that and handling the remote communities and handling... Look, we, we've, we've seen that today. Things have gotten out of hand there again where the, the TRG, where they're evacuating non-Indigenous yeah. um, workers and yeah. TRGs on standby. Look, th- this is all part of the the bigger issues at play here in the territory that's leading to all of this crime stuff. And the government just does not have its hand on this at all. It's complete lawlessness. And, um, you know, in these communities, yeah, it's just, it's just disturbing to see some of the stuff that that's happening. And, and there's just no leadership. It's just a, a complete dearth of leadership. That's yep. unable to tackle these community issues, these, you know, social issues and it all plays together and now we're seeing crime just spill into the streets of darwin alice springs catherine tennant creek Mm. uh yeah anyway i don't know how we solve this stuff still um saying we got to take the politics out of it and just get solutions because it's a unique place the nt and we need unique solutions and i'm not trying to use that as just some line but really really people have to sit around and think how do we do this how do we fix it um and until we start having that conversation and that holistic approach to it, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to solve it, and things are gonna get much worse. Yeah, I agree. I think um, oh, we we've talked about this for a while, but the the tipping point I think has already occurred. Mm-hmm. We've gone past that, and um, yeah, I, I I really do have grave concerns, um, and I've had a few conversations. Uh, with people this week, and look, one thing I will say, and I'm, I'm by 
absolutely no means am I encouraging vigilante behavior or anything like that. Mm. But one conversation I had this week was quite disturbing because the person was telling me that um, there's a number of people that they know who are pretty much over the edge and are prepared to do whatever it takes to defend their property and, uh, you know, their their family. And then coupled with that, some of them have got some mental health issues as well, you know, like recently recently separated type stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so feel like they've got nothing to lose. So if the government don't sort it out, which I have no faith they will, I just think that uh, we, we, we might see some stuff we don't want to be talking about coming up in, in future weeks and months. I know, I know. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Pete. That's my biggest fear is that, yeah, we, we are like, you know, like we said, it is like a, we're a, the backdrop of a bad superhero movie where yeah. like lawlessness and everything's out of control, corrupt government and, um, yep. and the streets and who knows what's going to happen next. Like you start to get that feeling that we just yep. don't know who's in control and what's going to happen next. So, when you hear these stories or when you see people talking, uh, and this has been happening a fair bit on social media, you see people talking about, and I won't mention names because I don't think that's right and I can't verify any of this, but people saying, oh, such and such gang have just left here now. They'll be in Darwin yeah. by this date yeah. or day, and this is where they're stopping along the way. <laughs> and virtually piece by piece, you hear, oh, there was a ram raid here. Because yep. of this, there. Why is it that we know this stuff before the people who can prevent it do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, these are questions that need to be asked and answered. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Look, man, I guess another time we'll get into how stupid the gang names are. Like to call it, to name yeah. yourself your gang after Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, no one and likes Judas Bon Priest. Jovi any more than me, but you know, like in fairness, they're, you know, well into their sixties now and more in the retirement phase <laughs> than the, uh, but then we got little thugs running around here. Like, I don't know if they're blam- blaring always or living on a prayer while they're breaking into <laughs> facilities. I don't know. That stuff baffles yeah. me. I don't know that, but anyway, yeah. it's, it's sad. All right. Well, look, let's move to the next story because I think in some ways it actually has some bearing on a lot of the things that we're talking about at the moment. And that is that um, the current police commissioner who i saw somewhere today is now being referred to as the outgoing police commissioner that's right Um, that's what we said yeah (laughs) oh that was you guys yeah yeah, okay gotcha uh is now delayed filing evidence against uh the chief minister and the police minister in their legal case so there's obviously more to that than meets the eye yeah exactly peter's not just a coincidence or some some boring little legal thing this is uh he's been granted apparently a uh a kind of extension to file his evidence. Uh, he was supposed to do it this past Monday by four. Uh, Judge John Reeves extended the deadline until May 1. Now, of course, May 1 is going to be a public holiday. So I'm just yeah. going to uh, yeah, Union just, Day. Uh, caveat this, that uh, by the time people hear this, this might all be done on Are Friday because he's got to file by Monday. Now, look, here, here's the thing, and, and you get into this. Okay, so why isn't he filing his evidence against files? Well, 
it's because he's got evidence to file against files. And if they're still working on a negotiation, let's say the, the cash and the many, many suitcases filled with cash, cash by the cash way, the prizes. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, because look, that this is it, right? I mean, this gets back to what I said from day one is that how the hell on earth are we letting a politician negotiate with a police commissioner who's got nothing to lose, pissed off, who's got a lot of information on a lot of very powerful people in this town. And we're saying, yeah, go ahead, chief minister, you take all of our taxpayer money and you go pay him whatever he you wants to keep your secrets quiet. So we don't know <laughs> what you actually did. And that is honestly, that is what is going on right now. Uh, she knows she doesn't want him to file this evidence because it's going to be damning against her. It's going to be damning against Kay Warden. And another thing that came out in the ABC uh, hadn't reported it on the day that it happened that first hearing last Monday. Uh, apparently what Arthur Moses said, now remember Chalker hired these two high priced attorneys out of Sydney. He's got Arthur Moses and Rebecca Giles who does the defamation stuff. And remember, and keep that in mind, right? Cause I've seen some other stupid things that people are saying about, Oh, well, they'll probably end up paying them like 200 grand or something. That'll be <laughs> so bad. No, no, no. When you get the defamation person in here, you're looking at, this will be over a million dollars. Easy. This will probably be millions that this man's going to leave with because they screwed this up so badly. So anyway, but what they said, what, what the lawyer, what Chalker's lawyer said on Monday too, which hadn't been reported yet was that he was going to subpoena uh, communications between Natasha Files and Kate Warden. Now, we knew that he wanted to put them on the stand and cross-examine mm -hmm. them. Yep. But he said, we're we want to subpoena this, uh, this communication between the two of them relating to Chalker and what they were saying about Chalker. And Jesus. imagine that would come up with stuff. Look, that's only part of what, what, what the government has a very vested interest in in hiding from the public and keeping yeah. this secret and chalkers waving it in front of them saying i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it oh, i got an extension but i'm gonna do it and they're saying yeah. okay okay we're gonna get you the money we'll get you the money and you know who knows what else non-disparaging agreements will be signed like so even in the end if files was in, intending to say blame chalker for all of this for all of this crime crisis well, good luck with that because I imagine that's what they're negotiating as well too. How much level of blame will Chalker wear in this and how much is that going to cost the government to blame Chalker for it, right? Yeah, it's yeah. going to be so much money. It is so much more than a couple of hundred dollars. It's going to be six figures, I think the girl at ABC said. No, 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 just no. Six. We're looking at seven here. <laughs> like, and no, and she just meant like it's get up to a hundred thousand. That'll be a lot of money. And I mean, no, this is... This that is, is a lot of money when you're at the ABC. Especially days and days that this continues to go on. They're fearing the date of June 7th. That's when it is set down to be heard by Judge Judith Kelly. Uh, so expect, like I said, this. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you all this, and we know that, uh, that the government's going to want to keep this quiet. But like I said, Monday's the holiday, so he's really got to file it Friday. Does he get another yeah. extension, or is there going to be an announcement tomorrow that uh, a deal's been made and... Uh, and Roll into a three-day weekend. It's all forgotten about by Tuesday. I think I think that's what we're looking at. Now I might be yeah. wrong, and, and yep. we'll see. And I'm and I'll yep. be judged right or wrong uh, when this is being listened to. But, I do like a good prediction on the podcast. Though, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah. I just think, look, that's what it's looking at. It may it may drag on a bit more. Uh, he may be able to get an extension, but any like they're so afraid of exposing 
whatever this is, whatever stuff he has on fossil. And that's what it's come down to now. It's like, I've been saying this from the beginning. And now we see that he's got stuff and she doesn't want it getting out. So she's using taxpayer money to keep him quiet. So, you know, I'd rather see it all come out. I want to make it to June 7th. And like somebody had said on Facebook last weekend, let's live stream this thing and give it to Territorians because we all want to hear yeah, yeah. how this the, this has worked and what deals were. And I was talking about, you know, he's a local and she shouldn't have fired the local because he's part of the yeah. local tribe. And, you know, you can get rid of Sean Drabsch if you want because he's from Queensland. Nobody likes him anyway. But, you know, you, you, you start firing uh, homegrown talent, as it were, <laughs> it's a lowercase t for talent. Uh, in in quite much, it upsets. It upsets the establishment here, and Chucker is very much the establishment here. Who is um, the establishment here, Chris? Well, you know, like some people call them Schoolyard Six. You've got you know Jody uh-huh. Ryan, Andrew Kirkman. You've got their friends. A lot of people in 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 high profile positions. Even well, not as high profile behind the scenes. But yeah, there's this group, this core network of locals. They're all gone who've now. To, like, well, that's rolls. yeah. We're gonna be exploring Couple that. Couple behind bars. Well, yeah. Look, you know that you know, and I and I think I told you this before, right? Jana commits this, remember, and she went to jail for writing that pensioner travel concession scheme years ago, and then she, because of her involvement with John McRoberts, the previous police commissioner. Yeah. And he goes to jail for perverting the course of justice, remember? Yeah. Uh, and we'll see if history repeats itself sometime. But uh, Jana Kamitz is actually, and this is how small Darwin is, went to school, went to primary school with Jamie Chalker and with wow. Jody Ryan and Andrew Kirkman. They were all in the right. same class, in primary oh, really? school. Yeah. So uh, one of those wow. people have been to jail so far. Yes. One of them. Yes. So far. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot. It's just interesting that they've all sort of disappeared from the scene all of a sudden. Well, we're going to be looking into that a bit further because it is interesting. Even in the past 12 months, when we saw Gunner with the shock, because we got the budget coming up, made, made us think about that. Uh, and how shocking that kind of was that he delivers the budget and then says, Yeah, and I'm leaving now and <laughs> takes off running. Uh, and, like, left. and what has happened in the past 12 months like this place is the worst that it's ever been he, he surely knew what Good was timing, happening hey. what was coming he knew what was coming and he got the hell out mm. and uh and files is inherited but then files has just done what he would have done anyway um so you know here we are uh how do we fix it <laughs> again we just get into that but yeah. yeah, anyway, look, all those people who we are going to do more about that because it is very, very intriguing when you add it all up, who's missing in action and who's gone and who isn't yeah. in those positions that they worked a long time to get to. Uh, yeah. And for some reason, stuff has happened and they're not there. But we know we have integrity problems here. We know we've got an ICAC that hasn't done anything in two years. Mm. Uh, and the police, oh, God, anyway, it's just such a mess. But um Anyway, back to file, uh, back to Chalker here. Uh, that was it. I mean, that's really the the latest. Now they did. Reporters tried to get a comment out of Files on Wednesday uh, on uh, how this negotiation's going, what kind of costs we're looking at here, and she just kept with her lines. I've made a comment. She said that I I will keep to that we are continuing to negotiate in good faith. So the response that I've said is that I'm very respectful with taxpayer dollars, and absolutely, I'll, it'll be through that prism. But that's oh, I mean, yeah. there's a, there's there's a lot to suggest that's not right. Yeah. The, well, well, this is what I'm saying. Personally, all that government, but I mean, well, look, look, 
legally there's nothing wrong with a chief minister, though usually be a minister kind of doing this stuff with a senior executive. But it's when you get into these issues of only in the territory, as we like to say to my legal friends interstate, when I send them an email and say, here's another one for the only in the territory file. And it's a, yes, okay, in Victoria, you could probably do this and things would be fine, but this is the Northern Territory. And it seems to me that this is a a very big conflict of interest that the chief minister would be involved with taxpayer money negotiating and then even talking about it, but saying, oh, I'm going to be careful with taxpayer money. I'll do it in good faith. Well, I bloody hope you're better. I mean, if it was, was, we wouldn't be here. If this had been done with good faith from both sides, we wouldn't be in this mess right now. I must admit, I read the the uh, paper today, Chris, and thought to myself, how much is the NT government going to be paying out for people leaving their senior public service roles, given another current, former, on hold, I don't know what the status is now, public sure. servant is also now, I don't know what the word you use is, but um, seeking, seeking compensation, <laughs> I think the word is. Seeking redress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, and the NT News was reporting Colleen Wynn now looking at, at uh, getting the government back for humiliating her. Yeah. And um, and then all this, and I want this much money and that much money. And the NT News, uh, Cunningham forgot to point out that she was on paid leave this whole time. Yeah. Like, for, for three years. Um, yeah. It's a lot of money that the commissioner, children's commissioner, is making. Uh, anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that goes. I think a lot of that was for show. Um, right. and you know, she's kind of, it appeared to me that it was just airing dirty laundry for the sake of airing dirty laundry. And the worst part was the laundry wasn't even that dirty. <laughs> like it's just, it could have been a lot more sensational and it's really kind of mm. dull. So we'll, we'll see what happens there mm. moving forward. But yeah, look, we've got so many problems in this place. I think it's just mounting, isn't it? That's uh, every day. And the fact, yeah. and look, Cunningham had a good point, I think last weekend, although he didn't share what the NT news is, um, responsibility is and the integrity issues that we have in the NT, but saying that the pointing out that Chalker wanted an interstate judge uh, yeah. to hear his case. Uh, instead, he got Judith Kelly, so he's probably not happy about that. But the, yeah, it's pretty bad when um, even the commissioners here know that the justice system is skewed one way or another. But again, like it's all part of a bigger issue here. It's a, part of a much bigger issue that we have in the Northern Territory where, you know, we had newspapers arguing to to conceal and suppress uh, corruption reports and the public money. Uh, mm-hmm. like, it's unbelievable, this place. It's just unbelievable sometimes. And yeah, you just get to a point where it all starts building up and you're like, how the hell do we fix it? How do we even start? And uh, man, yeah. we, we talk about it every it's week. It's unbelievable sometimes, but I think it's becoming unbelievable more often than it's not. The money. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Every day, anyway. just, you can. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up, Pete. Look, let's uh, move on to the next story. It does involve the government again. Surprise, surprise. But um, (laughs) the uh, survivor of the uh, Manuel Brown fatal car crash says that the MLA lied about his actions and he's described it as a total snatch of life. Yeah. Yeah, look. Wow, strong words. Yeah, well... uh... You know, this was this was a, a difficult kind of interview to do with this guy. Now, what we're talking about, and just bring everybody up to speed, I'm sure everyone who listens knows, but uh, <laughs> the uh, Manuel Brown the uh, is now the current member for Arafura in Parliament. Now, when he ran, uh, when he was pre-selected as the candidate, uh, 
nobody knew anything about him. Uh, we got tipped off that he had been involved in a fatal car crash and that he had caused that fatal car crash and that he had been convicted of causing that fatal car crash. And uh, we looked into it. We had enough evidence. We called the courts and they had just the bare facts. That was like the end of February, right? And we did this pretty quick to get it out there. And um, at that time, I filed uh, a proper application to access court records. And I was looking for the agreed statement of facts, uh, anything actually that they had. And even when it gets to agreed, that's whittled down when they take a plea, because this guy was charged with dangerous driving, causing death. He then mm -hmm. ended up copping to a, a much lesser charge of uh, driving with, with undue care. And, uh, you know, something about that just didn't seem right. And anyway, we filed that application to get those documents. We wrote the story based on the facts that we, that we could get easily from the court. You know, they had to go down to Catherine and get the hard copy and stuff. It was anyway. Um, yeah, so we did that story. Now labor didn't respond to us on that day when we sent them the questions and it took mm -hmm. them about 24 hours to come up with a response, which they then gave to the other media. Cause the other media were asking about this saying, why are you covering up the fact that this guy killed a woman with his car in 2009 and Catherine, why, why didn't you just come out and say this when you announced him as the candidate? Well, yeah. it's probably because he didn't tell them, but we don't know. I mean, when they put out a statement, I think files had said something like, uh, you know, he told us about it, but I didn't know the details until just now, like yesterday after the NT independent story ran. And it's like, you know, we had that whole video done up where he walks in and he says, oh yeah, they're, they're saying, yeah, we want to pre-select you. And he said, oh yeah, yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time I killed a woman? And they just, they're like, oh, okay, well, you'll be our yeah, candidate. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it. We don't need any details on that. Anyway, this is what was just unbelievable to me. So we go and find some details. Now, meanwhile, he puts out a statement and he thinks this clears him. And he says, ah, it's the demons. I can't let the demons from that day haunt me any further. And I've got to do great stuff for my people, he says. Uh, and I'm a great man. Whatever he said, something like that. But there were little details in the statement that they put out that we made note of and thought, well, let's see. Let's see how true and accurate this is. One is he started up by saying it was a multi-vehicle collision. Uh, and then calling it an accident. So trying to distance himself from any responsibility there. Oh, it was a multi-vehicle collision that all these cars just kind of piled up. No, he piled them up. He came flying through a stop sign, T-boned this car. He's driving a big Nissan Patrol. T-bones yeah. a white Toyota Camry, spins it around so hard that it hits another car and causes whiplash in the driver of that car, somebody who stopped at a stop sign. <laughs> um Anyway, th th this is what we start to find out. So we got the facts, and I talked about that the other day. Uh, the Crown facts show that, well, and that was the other thing that he said, sorry, in his statement, he said, I also rendered first aid. I immediately, I immediately stopped, he said. He hit the car so hard, he probably cracked the engine of his vehicle. He said, yeah. I immediately stopped, and I rendered first aid, and I called emergency services. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know about who called who but here's one thing that we can say for sure he did not perform a render first aid on the victim and that's yeah. what he said I, I i rendered first aid on the victim and unfortunately she later died in hospital she did later die in hospital what the statement of crown fact shows is that uh she was hit so hard by his vehicle that she was trapped in the car in her car and needed to be extricated with the jaws of life 
Oh, wow. So we went back to him and we said, all right, Manuel, tell us exactly how you were able to render first aid when she was trapped in a car and couldn't get out without the jaws. You, you go ahead and tell us that. And did you yep. tell labor about that? Did they ask you about those kind of details? And we sent questions to the chief minister. Now, in that first story, what we were saying was, you know, how, how I mean, why didn't you first? Why didn't you check this guy? And when he told you he killed a woman or whatever he said, like, why didn't you say what are the details? And then why just take his word for it? Like, they got to go and do this when they're vetting candidates. Like, what, I'm the only one running this online newspaper? I can figure out to go and get court records to check on somebody? Like, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. But look, this is a party of pedophiles. This is a party of drug users. This is like, this guy, I guess, fits right in here, right? I mean, I'm not exaggerating or making that up. We know that. They protected a pedophile. They then wrote letters of support to try and get a mm. pedophile's sentence lighter. Like these, these people are morally bankrupt. Pete. And I, it's just so disturbing at this point that they, that they could even do this. So they let this guy run and they know ooh, there's something going on there, but let's not ask too many questions. Let him put out his bullshit statement. That's a complete fabrication of everything. Um, we start to see this. So we're asking Files, well, what are you going to do? Are you, you going to actually take action on this guy? Because, you know, he's got no credibility here. He's a, he's basically a lame duck for them now. He's in the role, but he cannot perform everything because the public has no faith in him or no trust in him after this. And the fact that he's lying about the details around this death, um, you know, and, he, and he's not owning up to it. And neither is she. So we said, look, you're gonna do you're gonna take action on him. You took it on Turner, Gunner did, and her, and they kicked him out of caucus uh for saying that he, he was untruthful or he lied about the relationship he was in, allegedly with the woman, the sex worker. Uh, you know, and that and then I Pete, I went back and I looked, and it was one week to the day that we broke the Manuel Brown story that she files had come out on radio and and just blasted Turner. Saying we don't trust him because Joe Laverty had asked, well, what's the status of Mark Turner with you guys anyway? And yeah. We don't trust him. We are a group of individuals who trust each other and we do not yeah. trust him. And it's like, okay, why? And I remember Joe kept saying, why? why? Well, I'm not saying we, he just doesn't have our trust. I'm not saying. Well, then I'm listening to this. And I'm like, oh, I wish Joe hadn't known this. Files actually cleared him of any wrongdoing when she was chair of the privileges committee. They actually, that's the only time they've been referred anything. They were referred their yeah. own man and files went in and cleared him and said, he didn't do anything wrong. He's fine. The ICAC at the same time dropped their investigation into any wrongdoing on his part too. So that's a fact. And we'll, we'll put that out there. Uh, but this is the issue. But then she's on radio saying, but we don't trust him. Yeah. Now, how, how are you saying that about Turner, but you're not saying that about Manuel Brown, who's known to have lied now about the details around this incident, this death? Well, I tell you that there's no answers coming, Peach. Not getting back to me on that one. And uh, <laughs> I just. That, I that just, and many others. Yeah. <laughs> and that one is going to be really difficult. So I sent it to everybody and I sent it to the party and I sent it to some other. Anyway, as long as everybody sees it and they know what's going on. Um, because there's no way to get out of that for, for files. Like she really has painted herself into a corner with this one as well. It's just remark. I have no idea who's advising her. Chris Grace is back. I've been told a guy named Chris Grace, who's your deputy chief of staff. Ooh, buddy. Remember that name. I don't think that guy's going to be working in politics ever again after this train wreck is over because my God, whoever is advising her, 
um, ooh, it's politically, they are just making the worst decisions ever, not even just mm-hmm. politically, but for everybody and for the sake of the community. Anyway, back to, uh, to Brown, right? So we had that story, and that first story was about the Crown facts, the statement of Crown facts. Yep. Now, we're going to find more information out later. But the other part of this story was um, was doing an interview with the son. And when, you know, in the statement of facts and in that story, we said that there were two people in that white Toyota Camry that day. One of them died. Uh, and we've chosen not to name her. But I can say she was a nurse. She was an Aboriginal health provider at the hospital in Catherine, well-respected in the community. Uh, uh, she was driving the car. She got hit. Her son was the passenger in that car. Uh, he's 40 now. And, you know, we, when we were told about this story, we moved as quickly as we could to get the facts out there for everybody. Um, and then we tried to make contact. The source who told us that also gave us some numbers of some other people who, who knew about this. And, and, you know, that was a, a long process. But we finally got through to the sun. Uh, and I'd say that we've chosen, I've spoken to him a lot now, and, and it was just a decision on whether or not editorially we can do that. And, you know, they didn't want, he didn't want his mother named, and I have to respect that. So I said, okay. And then, you know, he's made some some comments here too that I guess would upset probably Files. Um, and so I thought, yeah, you know, but I know who he is. And for this time, we're not naming him right now. That might change later because there's still going to be a lot more to come out of this um but anyway look i yeah he when i when i finally got a hold of him and it took a while and i you know i'm a journalist i've experienced kind of calling people in those kind of sensitive uh situations but trying to explain to him you know who i am and what i was doing and i told him about the story and he said oh i know i've seen this guy's face all over the media i know he's running an air furor and he said i'll never forget that face and it's upsetting me I said, look, uh, you know, you take, you know, I don't, I, we don't want to upset you if you need some time. I said, I don't want to pressure you into anything. He said, I do need some time. In fact, he said, you know, my whole world changed that day. And I said, look, I, I understand. Yeah, um, yeah, I said, look, you, you take, you take time. And if you want to talk to me, you give me a call because I, I do want to know more about the facts here of what happened. And I, and I told him I'd filed the application with the courts. And I said, but I, I just got a feeling, I just got a bad feeling this guy's not telling the truth. And he said, yeah. Um, he said, look, I'll, I'll get back in touch with you. So it was weeks, weeks went by. Um, he finally did call. We had a, a long chat, Pete. And yeah, I just, yeah, to his loss that day was profound for him. And, um, and he talks about that. And, you know, he talked about how he looks at his kids now who are young and he said you know and i think what a great grandmother she would have been a really good grandmother to these kids that she never got to meet and uh yeah anyway it was just it was it was real and it was emotional and he was going through kind of everything that um that he kind of put put away for a while and this brought Mm -hmm. it up seeing manuel brown's face everywhere running in arafura so he said um you know, we talked about it and I said, look, is, you know, did that, did, did he render for sex to take me through everything here? And he said, uh, he said, um, he T-boned us, smashed into mum's side of the car. Uh, he said he did not render first aid whatsoever. He said, I confronted him and I said, what the F are you doing? His response 
This is the son saying his response, Manuel Brown's response, which I will always remember to this day was, I'm not from here. I came from a funeral. He said he was trying to use that to explain his erratic driving, said that he appeared disoriented, didn't know if he was drinking. I think it was something in a chat. I said, well, what was he drinking? He said, well, I don't know, but what do you do at a funeral? What year was it, Chris? 2009. So June 2009. It's, it's staggered me in your story that um, it said that it wasn't compulsory at that stage. To drugs get- drugs weren't. So, yeah, if actually he was wrong, it was a quote from him, and we'll, we'll address that in the uh, story. Okay. But apparently at some point before that, it did become mandatory in the NT, but I don't think that long before that. Um, to do the breathalyzer, but we cannot find any record of that. Now, of course, we've asked Manuel Brown and, um, and what we found in the statement of crown facts, no mention of a breathalyzer. And, and the son said he wasn't at the hospital after, uh, he doesn't remember him getting a breathalyzer either. It it appears that he didn't. Now, the other thing that we kind of, I made a slight error in that first story and I've gone in and corrected it and made a note of it. I had said in the first story that it appeared he was given, Manuel Brown was given uh, was allowed to provide an official statement or formal statement to police in the form of an interview three days after. Yeah. I realized that I got the days wrong there. It was actually a week out. It was 10 days. Yeah. For some reason, he was allowed yeah. 10 days. So um, Amazing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So, look, you know, I just – I'll share a little bit more of what the son said because it is worth hearing. Uh said, yeah, he wasn't sure if he was drinking, but said he seemed disoriented at the time. Uh, he said he wouldn't let him near his mother, of course. Yep. He just caused this crash. And he said, and she was trapped in the car, of course. And he said, would you let your mother get first aid from the guy who just hit her? Yeah. And I thought, like, when yep. he said that, wow, we know that Manuel Brown's lying just by that. Yeah, because look, and you know, and I and I had a word with him, and I was telling him, and I, yeah, you, know, you know, you know, sometimes when you're in these personal conversations with people, you let things come out, and I was telling him about how I was in a similar situation when I was early twenties, and my mother and I were in a car, we were hit by a drunk driver from behind, yeah. and uh, you know, luckily we survived, so I can't imagine how terrible that was for him, but you know, my mother still has issues from that. Yeah, and then yeah. he was explaining that, and he said, yeah, but he said, you know, would you let your mother get first aid from the guy who just hit her? Yeah. And I was like, no, because you know the confusion after an incident like that, and the anger that you feel, and you just wouldn't let yeah. anybody like that near your mother. And so the, the arrogance of this man, Manuel Brown, to, to make that story up, and to think the Territorians would believe it. And that was one of the questions. Did you think we weren't going to follow this up and check? Yeah, and given like, that it took the jaws of life to get her out of the car, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't physically possible to render no, first aid anyway. It's completely disrespectful. It's completely I disrespectful. I wondered at first whether he'd said that um, about somebody in the other car, but then when, when no. you, I think it was your story, yeah, we, says we have the quote. his quote says that he helped her and then she later died well yeah. only one person yeah. died at that scene so. and there was only yeah one woman at that scene yeah. um now there were a couple people in the other car not sure but only one other person had whiplash and that was a young male yeah <clears throat> um so look he is his son back to the son here he said look i haven't forgiven him i always remembered his name and face i was thinking i'd come across him again i just didn't think i'd see him in the public eye running for office yeah uh yeah, 
you know, uh, he says, I lost my mother who was my rock. She was my sister's rock, the family's rock. Obviously my auntie who was her sister, my nephews and nieces miss her a lot. I think a lot of her, when I look at my children, she would have been a good grandmother. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, he says, you know, back into Brown's calling it an accident, implying it was a multi-vehicle collision, you know, uh, didn't want to get into the fact that he actually, you know, has to own this. Uh, as we said, Brown was not tested for alcohol or drugs. We find no record of that and inexplicably allowed to provide a formal statement in a police interview 10 days later in his hometown of Bachelor. Uh, yeah, he also, the son had said, look, they finally put a roundabout at that intersection. It was about six yeah. months after, but yeah, it was too little, too late for him. And he's angry about that. Now we've mentioned files here and, and files is in the background and she knows, or she doesn't know. She claimed she knew, but she didn't know the details, but just that he killed a woman one time and she didn't think of following that up. Uh, the son, I, I had to ask about that, um, because of what files said. And then I thought what files said was. Anyway, so I told the son, yeah, Files, well, I think he had seen it, but Files had told reporters ahead of the by-election, so this is the day that the story broke, or the day after our story broke. She said uh, that Manuel Brown was, quote, an excellent representative of our community. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. When asked about his conviction, um, she did not have the facts, as I'm telling you they didn't go and check anything they took whatever he said and said now he's a great guy he's an excellent representative of well, our community well, sure hope they didn't have the facts if she's saying things like that well now but now she knows some more of the facts here and she's got to yeah got to stand up here so and do something so yeah she also yeah claimed that now what the son said was this and then we keep going back to the fact that they never disclosed this publicly they clearly if they knew about it they attempted to hide this from the public and hope that it would go away uh the son says natasha files vouched for his quote mistake as she called it the victim's son said it was a total snatch of life he shouldn't be in public office after what he did there's no way the chief minister should be vouching for him for what he's done in the past when she has no idea of the facts. She's mm -hmm. only going on hearsay. When I heard she vouched for him, I couldn't believe it. Our chief minister, who is supposed to be leading the NT, is vouching for this man who shouldn't be in office after what he did. Mm -hmm. Look, we've taken all of that to them, to Files, to the party, to Manuel Brown. Uh, no response. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, we can only talk about the fact so many times that they simply don't respond to things. But they they they've decided that this is the approach that they're going to take in relation to the NT Independent. But as a result, they deprive the public of what they're really entitled to, and that is explanations for their behaviour. Well, look, P. I think, I think, I think this is another example of 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 just this integrity issue. And in fact, I think it becomes, um, you know, the more, the growing perception that there's a trust deficit here, mm. right? With this labor government. I mean, they, they do not, they do not, they do not respond to serious issues. They think they can cover things up. I mean, there's all kinds of instances of where this government has just dropped the ball completely on any, on, uh, on responsibility on just accepting responsibility for things. So they've never once done the right thing, even though it's a hard thing. It's always about protecting their own jobs uh, above all else and at all costs. 
meanwhile, we've seen this. We've seen the foundations of this place crumble. We see lawlessness in the streets now, but they're still trying to protect themselves. And there is a trust deficit. And, uh, and 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 there's really no way to get back from that. And this is what you see in the in the dying days of bad governments, Pete. I got to say yeah. that is like yeah. look even at the Morrison government near the end. Look at the CLP here near the end. I mean, these were governments that had trust deficits with the public, who were doing like yeah. just bizarre things to cover things up, to lie, to cheat, to steal. It's um, uh, yeah, and and that's what's going on here right now with this morally bankrupt. Uh, uh, labor files government who gunner files is the same thing. I mean, <laughs> she's run this exact same. Um, and and there's no really no way to come back from that. And really, at the end of it, it's a, it's another scandal in a scandal play government, and scandal play governments go away. Territorians yep. get sick of it, and it ties back in with the lies about the um, the little things sometimes to, to snowball like this is snowballed on her with the Howard Springs stuff. Yep. Uh, and now this scandal, and this is pretty serious. I mean, this guy misled the party. He misled the public about all of this, Manuel Brown. Um, he shouldn't be in office, and, and and the son's absolutely right. So what kind of leadership is she going to show? Well, she's shown none in the last 12 months, so we really don't expect any. And the trust deficit will grow and grow and grow. Uh, and there's really no way out of it unless she starts taking responsibility. But I can't see that happen. It doesn't seem that that's part of their repertoire of how to deal with things. It's except doesn't feel like it. No. No. So we're just left with this terrible, terrible government and uh, and all the problems that we have now. And a lot of it can be dated back to the fact that they did not take responsibility. Like who? Why doesn't somebody resign? Why doesn't somebody in that party say, "I don't like what you're doing here. You're screwing this place. I don't want to be a part of it." Go and become an independent, leave the party. But they've, they've got this cult thing, the tribe, the labor red tribe, and everybody's in it for themselves and looking after one another while the rest of the place burns and the rest of the territory burns. I felt like uh, last week we might have started to see that with uh, Nicole Madison speaking out of step and Brent Potter doing the same or seemingly doing the same. Maybe they were authorized to do it, but it didn't feel like it. Um, I thought that might have been the start of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> who knows? They get, they get roped back in and told like, you remember that uh, you want to keep your job, right? Right. Shut the hell up. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Look, I don't know. I think we'll get into what happened to Madison here, but uh, who knows? Look, there's still rumors going around and we, we, we'll get into that. I think a little later, but um, you're right. It did start to, to pique some interest to political observers who were saying, well, we haven't really seen this kind of undermining of a leader before in this labor term. No. Gunner really, anybody who undermined him ended up without a job. Um, Correct. Yeah, or yeah. out of the circle of trust, as it were. <laughs> yeah, as if you want to be in that. Um, yeah, so look, yeah, anyway, we, we'll get into that a bit more later, but um, yeah, it's just a bad, bad, bad government and a bad situation here, and responsibility mm. matters and that, that trust deficits there and it's not going to be fixed. Well, uh, on that depressing note, let's uh, move on to the next story. And uh, a masked man who was trying to rival uh, the Marvel Comics character, the Human Torch, uh, <laughs> allegedly set a servo on fire. And yeah, that's it. I'm not laughing at that, but I'm just, I hope. Yeah. Know. Oh, it's just completely yeah. bizarre. Pete. Yeah. It's we were talking about this. Bizarre. 
because he was not arrested only. after seeing the car, bushland, cars. I, I mean, it's it was like, yeah. I just I'm picturing this scene where everything he touches, like immediately sets it on fire. And and I'm also <laughs> picturing this scene where he's in bushland somewhere around Humpty Doo. He's in a stolen car, jumps out, sets it on fire, sets another fire for the bushland because the cops are in pursuit and sort of begs the question, how far were the cops behind him? Because if he's got time to set two fires and hit the road by foot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, don't uh, mean to make light of it, but it no, does no, have the Marvel comics. Like, yeah, like an X-Files episode or something where he's <laughs> yeah. shooting fire out of his fingertips. But yeah. Yeah, and it was weird because so they used the the tire spikes, um, stopped them, yep. and then he lit that car that was stolen the night before on fire. Runs into bushland and then lights that on fire. Like, but who yeah. even does that while they're in there? Like that. I'm just, I'm just wondering, is he like really conscious about DNA evidence, or is, <laughs> this, is there some other reason for burning everything to the ground? It was so weird, and I, you know, he was charged today. And uh, but anyway, we'll like we should explain quickly uh, just what happened. So, twenty-nine-year-old man, this guy. Now he started this uh, this kind of crime arson spree in Catherine. Took it all the way to Humpty Doo in the end here, when uh, the police got him and went through this whole dramatic chase uh, through bushland in the rural area. Uh, anyway, so he he's the guy. We we ran that story earlier in the week. He was driving a white Toyota Hilux. Police had said that they wanted uh, the public to come forward. He had robbed the service station in Catherine. They didn't explain exactly what he had taken or how the robbery went down. They were kind of more focused on the fact that he was wearing a balaclava and he lit the store on fire. Right. Wow. On his way out. Yeah. Um, so the, apparently the uh, the staffer, the worker there, was able to get it under control by the time the uh, the fire and police showed up. Uh, but they were looking for this vehicle. Now they're getting reports uh, throughout the evening that the, the the Toyota Hilux is being driven around Catherine uh, in a dangerous manner. They said uh, was ultimately driven to a business on the Stewart Highway uh, that was broken into overnight. Um, the white Hilux was located at the site burnt out while a red Toyota Land Cruiser was stolen from the business. He's so, upgraded from a Hilux to a Land Cruiser. <laughs> yeah, he wanted that. So, but then he lights the Hilux on fire and leaves it at this business. Uh, the Land Cruiser was seen traveling along the Stewart Highway. And this would have been on Wednesday at noon, around noon, approaching the Darwin Rural area when all available police units were deployed to the area. Uh, as I said, like they were bringing them from Adelaide River, they're bringing them. And there's already a lack of uh, police units on the roads. So yeah. And some people. All the available ones. Yeah. And they were talking about that on, on social media saying, like, what the hell is going on? People yeah. didn't know. And then other people after saying, like, this was like a bigger response than that night that three people were stabbed. And. Um, yeah, yeah. so yeah, response in the head of the KFC a few months ago uh, as well. Yeah. So how did they know? What did they know about who this guy is or what he was capable of doing? I mean, it's, it's, it does seem terrifying. He's wearing this Bella club with lighting fires. Um, so they do get him. They yeah, put down the spikes. They get him to stop on Beaumont road in Humpty Doo. Uh, that's when things got even more interesting. That's when he, uh, Exited the vehicle, setting it alight. 
police said, and disappeared into nearby bushland. And he also reportedly set on fire. Um, members, police say members from the dog operations unit apprehended the man a short time later, while the Northern Territory Fire and Rescue Service extinguished both the vehicle and bushland fires. Uh, the man remains in police custody and is expected to be charged with multiple serious offenses. The cop said on Wednesday, on Thursday afternoon, they did update to say that he has been charged with a lot of offenses, including some of the bigger, more serious arson, dangerous driving during pursuit, unlawful entry, not stopping after a crash, and unlawful use of a vehicle. 29-year-old is expected to front court on Friday. Sure, they can get some more things like not stopping at a crash. I mean, that seems fairly minor by nature, yeah. given that everything he got in touch with was ablaze by the time he left. Yeah, well, I think I'm stealing. But, yeah, that was it. Yeah, maybe they're – I don't know. Like, I, I – yeah, There might be more would, charges coming. You would think using a weapon or something, right? And that yeah. wasn't in there. Like, and, um, and given what, what we hear have. about in Alice Springs and Darwin and what have you – for, for people to be calling the police saying that someone's dr driving erratically, I mean, he must have been driving badly. Well, Even yeah. What people and, uh, put up well, with. They, were, they had asked for the white. They did give a description of the vehicles who were hoping that it's that because, yeah, otherwise it's just a Tuesday night. And, yeah, it's a 10-year-old um, with a, a, an angry fit. Yeah, but I wonder, like, you know, if this guy had, the. I mean, he clearly had some accelerant. What set him off, eh? <laughs> we don't know but <laughs> his footy team didn't get up or, you know, yeah something. but like but like you can't just like he, there is an accelerant there needed to be an accelerant so there were no charges indicating anything like that if he had a flamethrower oh, yeah. he had a, yeah. a a weapon of some sort but like to light a vehicle on fire that quickly well we assume it's quickly maybe it took his time and they didn't get him i don't know and then he runs what? into the bush but that's crazy like who would like, it's a, it's go one into of a two bush things. and light it on fire it's one of two things. He's either got some exceptional way of lighting very quick, big fires, or I'm picturing, I'm picturing two overweight policemen trying to sort of track him down. Now, that's not, I'm not saying anything about the policeman, by the way. That's just in my head. I'm picturing a, a comical scene. Well, know? like chalkers on the beat or something, <laughs> trying to chase someone down. Yeah, way out I'm of shape. I'm picturing like a Benny Hill scene or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, Oh, well, man. look, I think some of our readers took it to uh, to the same, well, not to that, but to yeah. to the Marvel kind of thing you were talking about, yeah, Universe, yeah. And, and comparing it to torch. Gotham. Well, yeah, but they were comparing him to Bane and, and Gotham City and Bane, of course, from Dark Knight Rises movie. And, and look, there, there's some of this, and I saw that, and I told you, like, I burst out loud. That gave me the, the best laugh that I've had, and it's serious, and like I said, but... <laughs> At yeah. least nobody's been hurt here. I mean, it's really serious what this guy didn't, but they got him, um, and nobody's yep. been hurt. Uh, uh, but this post, like, it just struck me. It was just, like, I laughed out loud, and it was Bane saying, um, from Dark Knight Rises, with the mask, as they were saying, a masked man. And he says, yeah, Gotham is yours. None shall interfere. Do as you please. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like, Jesus, this is where yeah, we're yeah. getting though. Yeah. And this is like, um, you know, and this is in that movie. I had to go back and find these lines, right? Because I'm like, Jesus, Bane, the, the super villain from Dark Knight Rises, he, he tells the Gotham that he's taking it back from the corrupt, the rich, the oppressors of generations who kept you down with myths of opportunity. We give it back to you, the people. Gotham's yours. 
Do as you please. Start by storming the prison here and freeing the oppressed. Step forward. Those who would serve for an army will be raised. The powerful will be ripped from their decadent nests and cast out into the cold world that we know and endure. Courts will be convened. Spoils will be enjoyed. Blood will be shed. The police will survive as they learn to serve true justice. This great city will endure. Darwin will survive. Now he says Gotham will survive when I'm having it. I mean, my wow. God, like we're starting to get into this. Like Jesus, yeah. like we, we made that reference about it being a frontier outback Gotham City, but yep. we, we meant that with the just the relationships of the political stuff that was going on. But my God, we, it really is this lawless place now where yeah. we, we know that the prisons are overstuffed with people over capacity. Like yeah, the, the, I've got them in watch houses now. Who comes and blows it up and lets them all out? Like this is just, <laughs> like it's not out of the realm of possibility, Pete. Is what I'm saying. That, no, that, like, this is just becomes Gotham, and that and look, yeah. Anyway, I have to go and watch that movie again because of then these other lines here I'm seeing, and there was a, a commissioner, uh, Gordon, and uh, yeah. and he had done a deal to blame it on Batman. This thing, but it was really Harvey Dent. But they wanted Harvey Dent to be the hero, putting <laughs> everybody away. But he was really bad. Yeah, it's like holy Jesus Christ, this is like Darwin now. Like we got the we got Mars. issues with DPP. We got issues with like all the the commissioners. Um, oh Jesus. Anyway, anyway, man. I yeah, like I said, you can't make this stuff up here in Darwin. Maybe they made it up for Batman Three there, but. Uh, <laughs> Wow, it's hitting home, man. It's hitting yeah, home. It is. It and there has been that feel of Gotham City for quite some time. So yeah. Let let's hope, as we keep saying, they get a hold on this before too long because we don't want it to be too late before they do. No, exactly. All right, let's move to the next story because it doesn't really augur well. <laughs> it doesn't get any better, does it, Pete? <laughs> Jesus Christ. If we wanted that. Um Yep. Look, some sources have uh, have confirmed with you, Chris, that uh, the NT police have been suppressing crime reports and dropping investigations uh, in the uh, Alice Springs area. Yeah, jeez, uh, yeah. Like, look, we we I think we kind of touched on this quickly last week, but we were able to get the story up on Friday, um, which really, you know, and I was able to listen to some more people on Friday and and put it together, and I thought, holy God. We sent questions to the police on the Thursday. They didn't get back to us. Uh, and then they did. And then they did like oh, nice. late on Friday. So I updated the story because, you know, we'll, we'll always do that. But um, they were being a bit cute with um, how they responded to some of the questions. Now, I'll take you through it, though. Like, really, this is serious. And, and when you see the facts of it all and you know, and I'll just tell you, we, we, we use multiple sources on this and we've got really good sources, but people who don't know each other saying the yeah. same thing. We got, when right. we can do that, we know we have something. Now, NT police watch commanders in Alice Springs were told by the brass not to post serious crimes on social media because it had negatively affected tourism in the region. Now, this comes amid a critical shortage of officers in town, resulting in some crimes not being fully investigated. Highly placed sources told the NT Independent. Um, and so, yeah, we went, we verified this. Um, one source described the current situation in Alice Springs as, quote, complete chaos. 
Of course, it comes amid ongoing confusion over the status of Police Commissioner Jamie Chalker, uh, again, who may or may not have requested the AFP to be deployed into Alice Springs to help the empty police deal with the ongoing crime crisis before being asked to resign by the chief minister late last month. Uh, now, we went and we looked to, like, okay, is this through the last post on the NT Police's Alice Springs Facebook page, as you're looking at it from Friday morning, was a crime on April 13th, which was eight days before. Yep. Uh, which saw public assistance to help identify suspects involved in that home invasion we had reported on where two men assaulted a resident before stealing stealing jewelry and fleeing the scene, the home. Uh, the only crime mentioned before that was on April 8th, five days earlier, while serious crimes have occurred in the town since then. And we know this. Go watch Action for Alice. You want to know the crime that's yeah. going on. Um, you've got it now. You've got it two weeks you got a two-week thing and that's just like it, it was much worse than that but it was a two-week time frame let's say the only yeah. crimes they reported were two in two wow. weeks now the rest was like fire warnings and stuff but they were not reporting the crime now uh, and we knew that and that was one that we had police also delayed releasing the details of another horrific home invasion last week in which a woman was indecently assaulted after waking up to find a man in her bed it too was not shared on social media. Now they did ultimately put out a release about it. They didn't put it on social media, but they did because they knew, well, I think they knew that we had it and we were going there and we were about to publish this thing and that they hadn't done it in three days. Uh, the sexual assault and the, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so look, another source had said watch commanders have been told not to post serious crimes to social media unless it is a positive story. The watch commanders can give telephone reports to ABC. I think they meant ABC Radio as per usual because Dallas or because Alice or Darwin ABC Radio is listened to by a smaller number than Facebook, which reaches all around the country and affects tourism. Right? So the thing that you yeah. do at the NT News and ABC is first thing in the morning, you call the watch commander and you say, what happened overnight? Now, yeah. they're, they're allowed to tell the reporters that because, well, I don't even think the NT News does it anymore. That's another part of the story is we got to look at what crimes the NT News is actually reporting because <laughs> I think they're suppressing things. Um, and so, like, the police are saying, okay, give them that because it's ABC Radio. Who the hell actually listens to ABC Radio? <laughs> and it's only going to be here in Darwin or Alice Springs. So who cares? It's not going to be that many people. Now you put it on social media, that stuff's going to be shared. And yeah, correct. And well, again, look at action for Alice. Now, yep. that's for the, the, the really, and this goes back to why they're so upset with Darren down there, is that he's reporting this stuff and it's getting shared on social media. Yeah. And it's affecting negatively tourism, right? And, and that's just is what's going to happen when you tell the but truth. If you fix it. That is that, Chris. I don't think yeah. that's affecting tourism. I think it's just confirming why tourism's affected. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if anybody gets onto action for Alice and says, oh, I'm not going to the NT because of that. But yeah. you, you've got tourism um, operators who, or, or uh, like tour companies who yeah. now won't sell the Northern Territory. Yeah, internationally yeah. and nationally. Yeah, and who That's what out. the problem is. All, yeah. all Action for Alice does or NT Independent or whoever social media reports on it is confirm what everyone's talking about. 
Well, yeah, yeah, and and hopefully expose the stuff that the public needs to know about to keep themselves safe. Yeah. Now, this is where the government's dropped the ball on all of this. Now, of course, files again refuse to respond to questions, including why the government would appear to prioritize PR over territory and safety. Mm. And this is the thing that really bothers me the most about this, Pete. And you got into it here. Um, and I and I want to tie this in. So you remember we were talking about last week the extension of the takeaway alcohol restrictions in Alice for another yep. three months. Yep. Now she specifically told ABC Radio and Alice Springs that that was that that decision to extend them was in part based on Tourism Central Australia, indicating that tourism numbers are down thirty percent on twenty nineteen, the last full tourism season before the pandemic. She said this, I think the bigger impact is the reputation, the antisocial behavior, the imaging that had sadly that sadly has gone around Australia. So we're focused on tackling that. Right. Now that to me tackling sounds like the imaging or tackling the problem. Yeah, the imaging, the imaging, exactly. And the reputational harm. So her office refused to say if the new quote imaging campaign included telling police not to report serious crimes on social media, putting the optics of the town ahead of its citizens' safety. Mm. This is almost an admission, I take that as, when she's saying that, well, we're really trying to tackle this and we want to give it a good reputation, a good look. If you're making a decision to extend alcohol bans based on the optics of it, why wouldn't you be telling the police don't report serious crimes on social media because of the optics of it? It's the same thing. So it's almost clear to me that that is what happened anyway. I put this in my file of things I cannot prove but know to be true. This (laughs) is another one. Um, Now, I think we can. Anyway, look, but the source is telling us this, that, uh, uh, well, then the, 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 sorry, police came back and said, oh, no, no watch commanders. Well, they denied any that, that the government had told them to suppress public reporting on social media. They said that the watch commanders, quote, have access to the PFES Facebook page to post information about emergency incidents. Right. But not crime. Whatever they determine to be an emergency. Yeah, access for emergency incidents. But it doesn't added, mean they'll use it. It just means they have access to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she added the police media unit coordinates the distribution of any official media release. But again, that's not what we were asking about. We were specifically that's asking about social very media. Different. Yep. Now, the other problem, we went to Murphy, who is, of course, Michael Murphy, the acting police commissioner, because we thought he should answer these questions. He didn't. Mm-hmm. And it was just from a spokeswoman, this denial, um, which is, like I said, getting too cute. And you, you picked up on that. Um, uh, we asked him about the, the the other thing that our sources brought up, which is they're saying it's a severe officer shortage in Alice Springs, which has resulted in investigations being written off completely or delayed. Yeah. Uh, and if he wanted to see, we asked Murphy, if he wanted to see the AFP brought into assistant police, which his predecessor may or may not have actually yeah. asked yep. for. It's been alleged. Yeah, the spokesman, it's been alleged through an allegation or something. <laughs> it's like really weird how that is. Yeah. And he's saying, no, I'm not saying that it happened. Yes. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Anyway. Yeah. But uh, I want compensation for it nonetheless. <laughs> the spokeswoman, of course, claimed Alice Springs. And this is just this is just where like, okay, I'm going to let you guys have your say. But the spokeswoman said Alice Springs has, quote, sufficient staffing levels and continues to investigate crime and incidents while also conducting, quote, high visibility patrols. 
I'm telling you with the sources we have down there, they don't have enough people. Pete. Like, well, if that's the case, and I'm, I'm purely speaking from anecdotal evidence here, but if that's the case, then why did somebody find somebody in their front yard who had, had been allegedly the victim of domestic violence? They were scared out of their mind and hiding from their perpetrator, if that's the word. Mm-hmm. Attacker is probably more accurate. They called Triple O three times and no police car turned yeah. up. In fact, yeah. two times they didn't even answer. So if that's yeah. the case, then uh, what's going on? Look, I do not doubt that at all. And I've told you, you know, that we talked to Alice Springs police, and I'm telling you, they're short-staffed. And, and this is not an attack on the Alice Springs police because no, we no. know they're short-staffed. Yeah, they're we know they're trying. overworked. We know they're yeah. absolutely... You know, but you see what themselves. happens, and you remember, and we've talked about this, like Chalker done this, and there'd be crime, and the guys would tell us up here too, but they'd say, like, you know, the crimes happen in Alice Springs, there'd be a spike, so he would send people down to Alice Springs, hmm. then there'd be a spike up here, and then yeah. they would have to come up here, and he's just, like, moving them back and forth, yeah. and it's not tenable, like, you cannot continue to do that. Now, here's what, and I, and I, and rarely do we quote the sources, but I'm, we did quote the source in the story. Uh, It's complete chaos, the source said. So short-staffed at the moment, nobody knows when more officers are coming. Overtime is huge. Jobs are getting written off or down as cops can't fully investigate as they should. It's another domestic murder waiting to happen. Mm. Uh, And then we got into wherever the hell um, Chalker is and who's leading the ship here. But... Yeah. I'm telling you, yeah, they got they got issues. They well, they got issues all across the NT here with police staffing, and no wonder yeah. with the damage the chalker caused. So how do they and fix didn't that? Didn't say they're 300 short as it is? <laughs> That's right. Small pitch said that uh, territory wide. Um, yeah, yeah, which is huge. It's huge. It is. Uh, it used to be 120. We used to go on for about eight years, seven years about how it was 120. 120? Cops. CLP that's would say equal that. 12 million? labor yeah and then we just and i just said like stop it like that was just a number that was made up but now small pages made up 300 so now we're going to be always trying to fill 300 more roles i don't know like it's like like, look the budget's coming up and we're going to see more stupidity on that where they're going to say oh here's a record policeman we're fighting crime here we're throwing more money at it that's yeah. not what's going to solve this. That that no. that isn't what's going to solve any of these issues. We need to be smart. We need to have a plan. We need to, uh, yeah, have a have an idea of where we want to govern and what we want to change and what policies mm. need to be fixed and what departments need to be working harder. It's not just throwing money at it. We're going to see that next week. Mm. Uh, yep. It's just stupidity. Yep. Well, um, speaking of uh, spending money, needlessly or otherwise. Uh, yes. Next story says that uh, the minister for <laughs> having a bit of fun, Miss Nicole Madison, is presently on an uncosted trade trip to Japan and North Korea. <laughs> I think they did specify South Korea. <laughs> um, I'm not. I wouldn't put a pastor. I don't know. This is. Uh, I, yeah, I thought you're going to call her like former failed treasurer nicole madison's <laughs> on an uncosted trade mission because that's fair terrible terrible treasurer anyway yeah look so she is the minister for as you say good times uh <laughs> hospitality industry as well as tourism and hospitality so uh right. yeah she knows how to have a good time when she gets overseas and uh taxpayers expense so it was on cost now we make that 
distinction because upon Gunner and his government being elected in 2016, part of their whole pledge to restore integrity and transparency was saying that yeah. we will. was scrapping stuff. <laughs> well, they said we will cost everything. Every overseas ministerial trip in the press release that day will yeah. have the estimated cost. Well, they got about two years in and scrapped that. Yeah, you misread it, Chris. Out. You know when you read an article and you can see ah oh, that the thanks to the fact there's no sub editors left these days, they've left a word out. Yeah, <laughs> they they left out the word "not." We will not cost anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, a couple of years in. Anyway, um, yeah. So look, Madison knows how to do this. She's uh, put out a statement on the Sunday morning. Uh, when she was on her way out, I guess, or might have been gone, <laughs> that it was expected. So this statement, I like that too. It's expected the Miss Madison will meet with businesses and financiers with interest in gas, hydrogen, renewables, and critical minerals. Expected? Like I'm, I'm expecting that you have those meetings yeah, lined up. They're already locked in. Over I'm there. expecting that you get there and go. Oh well, they weren't available. So yeah. You know. With, with a heavy focus on carbon capture, utilization, storage, decarbonization, and emerging technologies, she originally had petrochemicals in there, and that was cut <laughs> out by files. <laughs> it was liquid papered out. <laughs> on um, the screen. Yeah. Should the Minister of Good Times be doing any negotiation regarding carbon capture or what? Well, she's also industry minister. This is, yeah, this is what they've got her in. The last stuff here that she hasn't been in. She's been through every other mm -hmm. department. She screwed every other department up. So here we are. Now, the companies the minister was, quote, expected to meet with include Impact. So they said Bank for International Cooperation, mm -hmm. Energy and Minerals, National Corporation, and GE. Uh, I believe all those were in Tokyo, as well as South Korea's POSCO, Future M, and Hyundai. The NT has the resource potential to be a major player when it comes to the global supply chain of critical minerals required for new and renewable energy technologies, Madison said. Japan's already our biggest trade partner, and there is real potential to grow the opportunities in Japan even further, while Korea is a rapidly growing economy, and we want to drive more trade growth with them, making sure they understand the opportunities to invest in the NT. Uh, now, this is... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, make of that what you will anyway, but... Uh, Why does she need to go and visit Impex? They're already in Darwin. <sighs> yeah, well, Can't I guess... can you just drive out to Middle Arm and have a chat out there? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, now, the other part of this, so then, now that's her industry portfolio. And oh, yes. Now, the other thing she's doing while she's over there... Uh, God, the statement said Miss Madison would also host a focused tourism event in Tokyo and brief the industry there on, quote, the range of breathtaking new experiences on offer with a strong focus on Central Australia to be highlighted. <laughs> breathtaking experiences yeah. in Central Australia. It, it truly would be breathtaking. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got a knife pulled you on you. <laughs> They're out for a walk in the center of town about 10 p.m. <laughs> It'd be breathtaking, all right? <laughs> it would take your breath away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's exactly what I thought. Now, wow. Yeah. Uh, now, details details of the breathtaking new experiences were not provided, but I believe you just shared one. <laughs> <laughs> one, one being robbed at knife point. 
Yeah, and that's it. I don't know if the new logo isn't the bird anymore. It's just a knife, and it says, we'll take your breath away, mate. <laughs> Something like that. And we'll take your hire car while we're at it. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, that was not explained. And that's, I think, yeah. where everybody's going. Breathtaking. And why use that phrase, breathtaking new experiences in Central Australia? And like, I, every, I, even, there's yeah, no it, it, it's a stunning comment to make because it would be breathtaking, but not one of them would be for the right reasons. No. And can I also add that I've been saying this uh, clearly till I go blue in the face. You don't need to get on a freaking plane to tell people about the NT and, and what it can uh, deliver to potential tourists because you have this thing called the internet and social media, which will get to the actual tourists a lot better than some chumps in a high-level government meeting in Tokyo. No, you're you're absolutely right. And, in fact, the government pays millions of dollars to market and and do that. And, Chris, I'm not going to preempt it too much, but I'm about to stump you with something shortly. We'll get (laughs) to that on this exact topic. But go and get a helicopter, one that's, you know, properly been serviced and looked after, take it over some spectacular waterfalls around the NT and show some of the escarpments and some of the beautiful beaches and areas that most humans don't get to see and pay for some bloody Facebook ads and run it to whatever target audience you want to run it to and you'll achieve a darn sight more than you will by flying there personally and wasting money. Well, yeah, Pete, I think most people agree with you on that. I think you've summed that up perfectly. I think the other part of this, and we've got to remember that given the political turmoil uh, back here at home, that Japan yeah. always is, will hold a, uh, a special place in uh, territory politics folklore. Of course, that being the place where uh, Terry Mills was as chief minister when he was rolled. Rolled, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that passes through some some people's minds when Japan's brought up. Yeah. But in this case, it's a deputy chief minister. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, if it was the, the chief minister, we might have some hope. <laughs> yeah, but the speculation <laughs> being that she was going to uh, uh, make a challenge or something. The fact that she's out of town for the Maybe week. Maybe she'll do it while she's afar. <laughs> yeah, do it in reverse, and she'll yeah, take the reverse the role. Minister. While she's in Japan, that would be interesting. Um, yeah. You know, people are still talking about this. So we get into it. Um, I'm surprised maybe, but I'm not. I don't know. But the fact that they've put her on a plane for a week, we think it's a week. Like she didn't even say in the, yeah. not only didn't they provide a cost, they didn't even say how long the goddamn trip was yeah. for, which tells me that they'll probably, del- they'll probably extend it yeah. because they're having such a wonderful time. We think that she'd have to be back for the budget, which is coming out on Tuesday. But yeah, a bit of a strange time, the uh, timing of that trip politically here. Uh, mm. And whether or not, I mean, I still have texts from people tonight saying, yeah, Madison is going to, you know, make it's a on. move on files. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah. I don't know about that. Um, but like we had talked about, the numbers have changed. And I don't think files have taken that into consideration. And we talked about that a bit last week with new people coming in. Yeah. And who knows what this lame duck rogue guy from Arafura, Manuel Brown, what he's capable of. I mean, she'd really have to kick him out of caucus. How does that affect her numbers, right? There's a lot going on behind the scenes. We've still got Chancey Paik running around. I mean, he's single-handedly responsible for a lot of the problems that we're seeing now as attorney general um, because he had forced her to make bad decisions, like saying it's race-based policy to have grog bans in remote communities. That's on him. That's all on him. 
Um, So there's some volatility uh, with the government right now. And every day, Files is just showing up and getting smashed because she's just saying stupid things. She's lying (laughs) to the public. She's Mm. covering things up. She can't be honest. Um, and territorians see that that's they see through the lies here and they know when they're being told bullshit. And they do see it, Chris. Good. My my great concern is that without a viable mm. option in place to replace them, <laughs> yeah, I just wonder what happens at the next election. I know, I man. Really I do. know we're gonna have to sit down and have a, a deeper conversation. Just I think that. so, yeah, because yeah, I mean, I. It's gonna. I'm telling you, it'll be record low turnout because <laughs> it's over this. We're not even. I think we wrote that editorial about how the place was broken last August. Nothing's improved, by the way. And I think we said at the end of that because that was ahead of the Fannie Bay by election. We're not telling you who to vote for. Hell, in fact, we're not even sure voting is going to help anything anymore. Like <laughs> that's how bad. And I'm and I yeah. love democracy, but I mean, but Jesus, predicting a record low turnout in the Northern Territory that is that is quite the prediction because. It, they have record lows anyway. Yeah, <laughs> to suggest that it could get even lower, mate. I mean, what uh, you, you, you're talking less than fifty percent, forty percent, thirty, probably somewhere in there. I don't know. We have to go. Like I said, we'll, we'll have a we'll give it some thought, and we go back and look at some numbers and stuff, and then we'll, we should have a have let's a have a power. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, let's look at the next story. Um. The opposition have made a headline this week. Good on them. You know, one out of nine is pretty good. Um, <laughs> Wait, did they? What are we on? They, they commented on something. Oh. The, uh, the NT government's $71 million power bill subsidy is the least they could do for the cost <laughs> of living, according to the opposition. Look, they're, they're absolutely right. We had them on another thing, and I thought... What the hell are you even trying to say here? Like I, I, I'm just scratching my head. Like there yeah. was one they put out. I think it was about the federal um, defense spending, um, and I have no idea what they were trying to connect in there. I didn't get it. This one was interesting, right? So they said um, they were trying to land a thing hit, were they? But they yeah, missed. yeah, missed. Yeah, <laughs> um, the least they could do seventy-one million. Now this is and this is just how we had to write the story straight up was. The anti-government has announced a $71 million power bill subsidy for Territorians for the next financial year. Now, this is one of the sweeteners, as the other media call it, ahead of the budget. But this money is typically funded every year that the government said would help lower utility prices and boost the economy. But the opposition and the peak body for the social and community sectors say the money does not go far enough to address cost of living pressures. Now, the, the $71 million boost to subsidize household energy bills for 23-24 is part of the NT government's overall expenditure of $161.3 million for the same period uh, to pay power and water corporation and electricity retailers to subsidize energy, energy bills across the NT. This is goes on every year. This is not a budget announcement. Like, these idiots have... That's not a new one, is it? No, they've just made this like, okay, well, but they didn't even have the decency to say we're continuing it. They tried to spin it as, it's oh, we're giving thing. an extra $71 yeah. million to subsidize because you would you would have seen it go up by 6.8%, and now you're only going to see it by 27 <laughs> So take all of your savings. And that's what they said, too. Take all of your savings <laughs> and, and shove go, it. <laughs> yeah, go buy stuff in the community, and we're boosting the economy. That's not savings. That's not savings. Like, you know, we still are paying an increase. We're paying a goddamn increase. Are, 
like that's the thing that just infuriates me that this is still a 2.7 percent increase it's not as bad yeah. as 6.8 but who who's budgeting for the 6.8 and saying okay well now i've got savings like my god it's completely think, out of touch just completely out of touch i think they might have just left the boost the economy line in from a previous template of a, of a press <laughs> no, release no, no, they no, had no. to comment on it no uh lawler the economic genius that we know she is, the treasurer, who said the economy's going good because we got a new KFC coming. Um, she He's said this. Up. She said this that households would not have to pay now between 184 and 350 a year on electricity bills. I guess that's what she thinks we're going to quote unquote save, even though it's like they're taking this from an increase and saying we're going to be saving it because. We're not yeah. increasing it this much, but we are like that is just you, anyway. She you're said, saving on the increase that you would have paid, but <laughs> <laughs> only so, increasing it a little bit. Yeah, it's that knock-on effect. The great uh, treasurer yes. and economist Lawler yes. says, if people have lower power bills, which by the way they don't, it's still going to be an increase. <laughs> yeah. She's if just people, saying if they did, <laughs> people have lower power bills, they have more money in their pocket. You see where That's she's right. yeah? yeah. There are more, did, but in this case, they don't. So. Exactly. <laughs> there are more opportunities to get out and about to our cafes and our restaurants and spend money in the territory. We want territorians out spending money. Well, then actually do something to address <laughs> cost of living because this is nothing. Well, this is absolutely they're not going to go out and spend in the cafes for fear of being robbed while they're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we should say. All right, Eva, you live well, up to I'm your lighting. end of the bargain. We'll do that if you keep us safe when we eat yeah, there. Yeah. That's it. If, um, if the next time that I drive from, say, the city to Brinken, yeah. if if the next time I drive there, if I see one cop car along the way, then I'll feel a bit safer about going out to a cafe or restaurant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just one. They don't even don't even have to be pulling anyone over. Just one cop car. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Look. So the the government's claiming the power bill subsidy part of a wider two hundred million dollars in savings relief. Now I guess we'll <laughs> maybe wait and see what the other. But this is this is not really P. You know, like the costs have gone up. It's crazy. This is just a bare minimum thing. Uh, it's Leo Finocchiaro uh, having a press conference today saying that that the government's initiatives were called comfort to territorians currently coping with all around higher costs of living for everything. Uh, nothing the FOS has announced today is going to provide any relief to that. Finocchiaro said this $200 million in it. $200 million in announcements today is nothing more than re-announcements. The community service obligation is something the government should be providing territorians and not patting themselves on the back as some sort of cost of living measure. It's the least they could do. Literally. And, yeah. And anti Council of Social Services spokesman Jonathan Pilbrock. He also had some things to say. Now, he's getting into uh, that this is not enough and needed more to provide relief for lower income earners in the NT. And we've we've talked about this before. Government's measures would do little to help those in social and remote housing who are reliant on prepaid electricity meters, he told the ABC. Uh, those bills, in the past two years, there have been a 21.4% escalation in households on prepayment electricity meters that have been disconnected. Data collected by NT Cost revealed. Uh, that's bad. They're often large households with large bills. So even the 2.7% increase in the cost of their electricity tariff is going to have a significant impact 
on their ability to meet their electricity and other needs. Pilbrow said uh, it's a concern that we still haven't seen this addressing of the fact there is so many disconnections happening for people on prepayment meters. Mm. Uh, yeah, that that is a serious thing in the NT, and this does not address that. And this is just so this is such stupid politics. Again, yeah. with their advisors saying, oh, let's spin this so that, uh, yeah, we tell people we're addressing cost of living. No, you're not. You're doing the bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, of keeping that subsidy, and we're still paying more. So how the hell does that save us money? Yeah, yeah. yeah anyway. It's political spin at its best. Yep. Well, um, last of our stories for this episode, the feds are in the news for good reasons this time, um, <laughs> with their pledge to spend $3.8 billion to upgrade the key military bases across the north. Uh, yeah, look, I guess that's how you take it. Is it good news? Is it not? I mean, I think they had, uh, so Marl's... Including a racetrack I saw they're paying for. <laughs> yeah, but with like a bomb shelter on top of it, um, and a place to hide. So Richard Marles, of course, the defense minister was in Darwin today, uh, and also defense industry minister, Pat Conroy. So they're announcing 3.8 billion over the next four years. Uh, now, this is all across Northern Australia. This isn't just the NT, 3.8 billion. So exactly how much we spent here, we're not sure. Now, the other question, the other issue that came up today that, that doesn't appear to be an answer for is how much of this is already committed funding? How much of this is right. new money? Um, because we know like Robertson Barracks, for instance, it got mentioned today. Well, we already know that there's work going on there and, and planned. So uh, so we don't know exactly. Now, it all comes um, after the defense strategic review, which you may or may not have seen this week uh, coming out and uh, raising some serious issues here for uh, defense in Australia. Uh, so Marles is saying, yeah, that review rightly observes our northern bases are a huge asset and critical to Australia's ability uh, to defend, I think this is an important opportunity which will ensure the ADF has the infrastructure and capabilities it needs into the future. Uh, yeah, so now what will they just don't want to say the word China, do they? Yeah, yeah the review also found that Australia's geographic isolation was no longer a major defense advantage due to enhancements in maritime, land, air, space, and, of course, cyber warfare. <laughs> yeah. Probably heard about yeah. that. But remember, we were doing the story, but uh, they can hit us now, or Zoom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From China. Kim, Kim Jong-un knows how to send one over too, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Now, and that's the thing, and that's where people might rightly get a little nervous. Um, now, ultimately, we understand how significant a national asset our North is, how significant a national asset Darwin is, Marl said. So he knows what to say, and then we all stand up. Well, he knows where yeah. we are. Darwin. Wow. Yeah. Um, but now defense industry minister, Pat Conroy, he comes out and he says, yep, yeah, we're also upgrading these territory bases. We'll include aircraft shelters to survive an attack. Additional wow. storage for fuel and weapons, infrastructure improvement for better accessibility. Yeah, that one took me back. That one, um, yeah, yeah. Shelters to survive well, an attack. You want you want to talk around that a bit more, mate? Not, not so direct. <laughs> um, yeah. What the hell hope do the rest of us have then if they're building yeah. these special shelters they're, to survive an attack on the base? They're going to build any preppers' shelters for the rest of us? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where we're going. That would be a good business to set up here, I think, Pete. <laughs> it would. Yeah. It would. Yeah. Try talking yeah. to those guys once years ago in in Canada and. Um, they're paranoid. 
But the guy, were, the guy, they were a little I, extreme. That's the problem. Yeah, and I talked to one of them, and he said, like, you know, he said, um, when this goes down, he said, we're gonna. He said, you don't want to be buying alcohol. You don't stockpile alcohol because you don't want to be dealing with the drunks. He said. I said, well, I guess I get that. Now this is in in his mind in a post apocalyptic world. You yeah. don't want to be dealing with the drunks and and doing deals with them. He says, what you want. He said, what I'm stockpiling are tampons. Right. And he you said, I'll be making deals with women. <laughs> Honest to God, this guy said this. He thought it through. I have no doubt. He's he, a... has, he has a whole storeroom full of tampons. <laughs> wow. Anyway, anyway, you just made me think of that by saying that. We got to start <laughs> doing this stuff up here now. Yeah, anyway, yeah. look, yeah, the upgrading. Um, uh, he also started talking about uh, there'll be more personnel serving in the NT and Darwin. The upgrading uh, also saw a doubling of orders of high-mobility artillery rocket systems. Uh, there'll be refurbishment and repair work to be carried out on naval vessels as well. That would mean more high-paying jobs in Darwin, Conroy said. Uh, so, yeah, now, and so that's what it is. It is what it is. We don't know how much more, uh, or, you know, uh, how much is new, how much isn't. Maybe we'll know more on the budget. Yeah. Um, Something interesting that I think Territorians are concerned about. Uh, the ministers were also asked at the end of the press conference today in Darwin about the current federal review into the leasing of Darwin's port to Lambridge Group in 2015. Yeah. Uh, ministers both said the findings of the review would be known soon. Uh, but still, like to me, it's still unclear if that's going to be made public. Of course, the coalition did a review, wasn't made public. I think they said the parts of this might be made public, but um, whether or not we get the whole picture, I don't know. Mm. Uh, anyway, that's coming soon. Um, yeah. Okay. And then the opposition said they wanted to see more details, which was the best that I could get out of that <laughs> rambling press release. I always want to see more details. That yeah. Yeah. And calling on the government to plan better for a stronger defense industry in the NT by keeping more defense dollars here. Okay. Um, yeah. sure. We all want more submarines while you're at it. Yeah. Get more bomb shelters while you're at it and get more <laughs> bombs and get more, you know, that was the whole, yeah. our old private investment czar was Andy Cowan, Disney world there was going around yeah. telling people, here's what Darwin's great. We're, it's going to be war and all of our better, everything that benefits us has to do with war. It's like, Oh my yep. God. Idiot. And can you sell us some weapons? <laughs> That's what he probably is. He's an arms dealer now, <laughs> dealing with Nicaragua or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Quite a good gig, actually, when you think <laughs> yeah, about it. Would be. Yes, anyway. So that's our crazy week here, Pete. It's about to get crazier on this episode, Chris. I'll just get you to pause there for a moment. And now it's time for the job files. Thanks to no one in particular. Now, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's great. What would you do if you had a destroyed brand? What would you do if your brand was destroyed? Well, I, I, I don't know. I guess you keep, uh, it depends what kind of brand you're talking about. If you're talking about like territory labor brand, that's it, man. You just keep doing what you're doing. Your <laughs> brand's destroyed, but they don't seem to acknowledge that. Yeah. Well, it seems that we have a brand problem because uh, this week I've delved deep into the job files and the Department of Industry, Tourism and Trade are currently advertising for, are you sitting down, a global brand and content director. Global, though. 
global brand. Yep. Wow. So they're off, off in Japan. Maybe that's what they're looking for while they're there. <laughs> yeah. This is a senior administrative officer level two. The remuneration package is somewhere between 165000 and a tick under 180000 Mm. Uh, the vacancy may be either in Darwin or in Alice Springs, subject to negotiation with the successful applicant. I'm tipping more money will be in Alice Springs. Uh, <laughs> I'm tipping position... the position will be in Darwin. Doesn't matter how much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The position is every marketer's dream as you'll lead the global brand and content services team responsible for the global consumer brand content development social media program, creative asset management, and media familiarization booking function. Oh, there you go. That's what you were talking about. That's when they get the social <laughs> media people, Correct. the fam trips, and the uh, yeah, free trips. That's it. Yeah. Working in Australia's, one of Australia's tourism hotspots. <laughs> it's a hotspot, all right. I'm yeah. about tourism. Northern Territory. Crime hotspot, yeah. This role gives all applicants the chance to live the life they dream and make their mark globally. If you're interested in this role, you can contact Tony Quamby. Quamby. Yeah, Tony Quamby. Yeah, he's been around a long time. Yeah. I am. A triple nine three eight double six is his number, and quote vacancy number nine double two three double o seven four. Chris, I'm deeply troubled by this role. Breathtaking. Deeply troubled by a global <laughs> brand and whatever else it's called. Mm. It it really tells me that their eyes are off the prize. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, the way it sits right now. Yeah. That sort of role is complete overkill. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need to get things sorted out internally, then worry about national tourists, and then worry about your global stuff. Well, that's, yeah. And that's what I was thinking when you were reading that, too, is how many people are actually still like in that role or doing something similar right now. Yeah. I think, like, yeah. again, we were talking about that last week that there were 52 of this. <laughs> so right. Like, there could be 26 of these people. I don't know. But yeah. um, I think that yeah. they've been hiring them and, and really, what do they do? Like, it says all that stuff, and then they'll go and outsource, like, the branding yeah. to another company, like, member Boundless Boss. Yeah, 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 exactly. They'll um, yeah. outsource the borrowing of a logo from overseas. <laughs> yeah. which was so bad. And so, yeah, what, what do these people do internally? Like, this is, you're right. I mean, this isn't a job you can justify right now, especially when I know for a fact, well, again, I don't, things I cannot prove, but I know to be true. That there's already people doing that job and probably yeah. too many people doing that job. So why are we hiring for another one? It just it just reeks of completely out of touch. Yeah. You know, if the Northern Territory economy was on fire, not, not a dumpster fire, but on fire. <laughs> yeah, if, it was doing well. Yeah. The Northern Territory tourism side of things was doing well. If we didn't have crime out of control, an undermanned police force. Uh, we didn't have so many other social issues going on, then you could say, all right, well, let's promote it globally and get, you get tourists to Darwin now, or worse, Alice Springs, mm. you'll be paying for their refunds. Yeah. Well, MP, yeah, no, no kidding about that. And that was something that uh, I think some commenters made on that story. We ran about the government essentially telling police not to report serious crime on social media was are you going to be paying the tourists when they come and they get attacked? 
because yeah. you, you're, you're you're not telling them the truth of what's happening. And, and yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so they coming in blind and Correct. then going to be attacked. And does government wear responsibility for that? Yeah, yeah. look, they've got so many issues here with that. So that job, yeah, completely crazy. But look, this is a, and we're going to see more in the budget, but this is a government who this week, another story that we didn't get get around to, be $3 million to do something on Smith Street to cool it and green it. Oh, my God. I don't know if yes. you saw that this week. Like, I how sure out of touch did. was that? Oh, like, that I, is just, I mean, look at your so first rich. joke of a one. It's still not <laughs> even doing anything. And you go and double down again on something as ridiculous. It was crazy. But this is this government completely out of touch, like you're saying, yeah. and doing yeah. these kind of things. And so yeah. let's wait for the budget because I'm telling you, it's going to be bad. And they've already tried to get all their best things out. And it's not much. It's pretty crap i just wonder when the feds pop their heads up and say hey listen can you um sure, tell us what you're doing with our 250 million please yeah yeah well we're gonna find that out for a goddamn shade sale in smith street <laughs> yeah another one um yeah i don't know we'll see what the other antics that they get up to the hijinks will ensue sounds good chris we'll catch you then great thanks pete that was chris walsh from the nt independent online newspaper Weekends with Bolshe back again next week on the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition. We'll catch you then. You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition with Peter Gowers. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. For more episodes, go to all your favorite podcasting platforms or head to territorystory.com.